Welcome to the Gaining Momentum Podcast with your hosts, Abby and Megan. This is the podcast where we try our best to parent our kids for the world we want them to grow up in and the world we live in now. Welcome back to Gaining Momentum. How's it going today, Meg? It's going good. Hi, hi, hi. We're back. Hi, hi, hi. I'm happy to be back (laughs) with you as always. I'm so happy. I was like, it's podcast night. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's see my friend again and hang out and talk about something super tough and uncomfortable night. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. I don't, I hope other folks are enjoying it too, but we, uh, we definitely find this to be a good time to come on and talk about what, uh, what we're thinking about and what's uncomfortable. And I think also I'm finding, I don't know if it's sort of, maybe I'm more attuned to it since we've started to really like dig into these topics, but I feel like I'm having more conversations come up in my parenting that are running in time with the episodes that we are creating. So I don't yeah. know if it's just like emboldening me to be able to have, be better equipped to have these conversations, or if I'm just being more attuned to noticing the moments when they come up and then taking those moments, Yeah, what it is, but I like it. I like it too. I think I've noticed some of the same stuff. And also I love that we're starting to create a community that maybe is like approachable to have some of those conversations. Absolutely. We're here for it, people. We are. (laughs) And you know what else we're here for? I want to tell you about this fun game that we've been playing at dinner. I've been thinking about this all night because it's a game that uh, we play fairly regularly at dinner. Mm -hmm. Uh, We call it DJ dinner. So instead of talking to each other at dinner time, because like sometimes you just need to not talk to each other, <laughs> we <laughs> listen to songs. But the way we do it is that we each take turns choosing a song. So we'll go through before dinner and kind of make a playlist specific for that dinner. And so that's awesome. Like my son usually picks uh, Giant Truck Team <laughs> by Pink Fong. Oh, yeah. Good oh, yeah. jam. It's good a, jam. It's a banger. It's a banger. <laughs> I mean, it's not quite as good as Baby Shark, but it's up there. And so he'll pick a song, my partner will pick a song, I'll pick a song, then we'll go back through and we'll do, I don't know, however many rounds as we think it'll take until we're all done eating our dinner. (laughs) And tonight I noticed, the first song I picked, it was weird, but my initial reaction was to pick Space Jam. Like everybody get up. Yeah. Okay, nice. Yeah, Quad City DJs, I believe. Whoa, deep cut. Yeah, my son was like, mom, it's your turn. And I was like, I want Space Jam. <laughs> a song I have not heard in like roughly 20 years. Welcome to the Space Jam. <laughs> but then after that, my next several picks I noticed were all kind of sad songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if it was because it was like a rainy day today and that always mm-hmm. makes me a little more introspective and like ready to get my angsty side on. What songs did you pick? Well, I picked, do you know that song Graveyard by Halsey? I'm th- I, sorry, I know silence isn't great for the pod, but that was the, I was my son only listens to talk. <laughs> well, I picked radio, that, so I'm sure I've heard it. But that's not even what I want to talk about. I wanted to okay. ask you. Is that the thinking. only one? Uh, no, I picked several. I don't necessarily want to talk about them all. Sometimes I choose embarrassing songs, Mike. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to out you here. <laughs> fine. We don't all cry to Millie Vanilli. It's fine. <laughs> What do you want to ask me? Well, I want to ask you, if you were making a playlist and you needed to put like three of your go-to kind of slow jam or like sad songs, what would they be? That's <laughs> tough. On the spot. My top three like, like 
tearjerker, like slow jams. Okay, well, mm-hmm. one of the saddest songs. I just want you to know there's going to be a lot of prints on this list. Okay, it's enough. just the top three, but okay. Okay, because I can already, in my head already, I have two like print songs that basically come to mind. The first would be, um, I don't know if it's actually called Snow in April, but do you know that song? It's a print song. Uh, I don't, I probably, if I heard it, but I, I feel know, like I'm going to sing now. I, it's happening. Yeah. No, I'm not going to sing. It's called Snow in <laughs> April. I And I, it's like the most melancholy, beautiful. I don't even really know what it's about, but it's clearly like about something sad. Aw. Yeah. I, I want to say that it might even, this is like super dark and like not a fun story, but I feel like Prince maybe lost a child and it might be, I feel like oh. it might be about that or his yeah there's there's some tie-in to like something that's like deeply devastating okay and like in the back of my psyche I'm like oh I know that and that's why it also adds a layer so there's that one I think obviously most people know Sinead O'Connor from for having recorded this song but a lot of people also know that Prince wrote nothing compares and there's a Prince version of that song which is like one of my favorite songs of all time and it is deeply melancholy and sad I think anyway and a third, oof. Okay, maybe I'll move away from Prince. <laughs> you know what's a sad song? What? I think Waterfalls is a sad song. Like TLC? Yeah, man. Okay. Like the the some of the verses, like they're they're pretty sad. Like yeah, that's true. They, like think about it. The verses are about like yeah, loss, lonely mother staring out of the window. Um, and each verse is about somebody like losing somebody in mm-hmm. some way, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And then the second verse is like, there's like an HIV verse, I feel. That's like, and then what's the third verse? Uh, Oh, man. Oh, uh, what is it? There's a third verse and it's also very sad. I don't know. This is putting me on the spot. I'd have to start from the beginning and then get there. All right, let's do it. Just kidding. (laughs) Um, This is now the Waterfalls podcast. This would be mine. Okay. Yeah. What about you? Uh, Well, see, I came into this one ready. So I've got mine locked and loaded. Mm -hmm. No fear. my one of mine would be by your side by Shade. Ooh, yeah. I think I got married to that song. Ooh, nice. But I the- love that song. That uh, you think I'd leave your side? You know me you better know, than yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna sing it. I'll just speak it to you. <laughs> I think we our first dance was to a cover of that song. Nice. Yeah. And I think for my second song, it would have to be "Now I'm All Messed Up" by Tegan and Sarah. Ooh, I don't know if I know that song. It's a good one. It's a it's a tearjerker. I feel like this is where you're gonna have to cut in audio, but we can't we can't get the rights. No, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then I also my third pick would be X Factor by Ms. Lauren Hill. Oh, I I want to drop my mic, but it'd be bad for radio. <laughs> so. Yeah, that song forever. That's a that is a stunning song. Can I just tell you that that's my favorite album of all, all time? Yeah, you are not alone. It's still like, what is it, 22 years later, 20 something years later, and it's still like tops for so many people. Yeah, it holds up. So good. I'd add that to my list if I was allowed to have four. (laughs) Top three, (laughs) top three, top three. (laughs) Fine, fine. Strict rules here. Strict rules apply. So what are we, uh, what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about gender Woo-hoo. i don't know why i did an <laughs> oprah voice but that's fine gender because <laughs> it always it's always called for gender <laughs> exciting clearly we're excited we're all jacked up for our yeah. talk about gender <laughs> like just off the top like why did we want to talk about this why was this like when it comes like this is going to be like i think what our third our fourth episode mm-hmm. um and that's like pretty 
early on in our podcast run, why is this like something that we wanted to dive into? Well, I think first we were kind of thinking about it more along the lines of raising boys because between the two of us, we have three sons, but then we mm-hmm. realized it's so much bigger than that. Sorry. And I still have by your side by shadow playing my head. So I might mm-hmm. accidentally slip lyrics into my answers. Cause if I leave your side, baby. <laughs> But yeah, so I think it was just, uh, we wanted to have more in-depth conversation about some of the gendered stereotypes that come up with raising boys, that come up with having grown up as a girl, and just different ways that we can support people who don't want to subscribe to these stereotypes or who don't subscribe to these stereotypes so that people can just Mm -hmm. be who they are, which I think that's going to probably be a theme us with every topic just finding ways <laughs> mm-hmm. to bust through stigmas and stereotypes so that people can just be who they are yeah we might have to change the title because i f- i think it's going to be a theme gaining <laughs> momentum on being who you are yeah um yeah for sure like we kept using I, I think like when we were talking about this episode like yeah we definitely were like really deeply thinking about like the raising boys piece because as far as mm-hmm. we know at this mm-hmm. point in time we're raising cisgender boys until they let us know otherwise. Oh, my son has let me know otherwise, but he Oh, interesting. Is, yeah, well, kind of interesting. Like, he is a vehicle. Oh, yeah. Okay, gotcha. So, like, yeah, yeah, he is often tells me that he's not a boy or a girl, but that he's a truck. That's fine. You yeah. do you. Exactly. One. Um, but it's, but like, ex- very interesting because he very pointedly will, like, like he'll mm-hmm. assign himself genders, but, like, based on vehicle mm, and, like, but, like, never, like as a human being I feel like there's like a really like abstract academic study in this like which which vehicles are representing what for him in a given period of time a lot of it is based on like names of vehicles he's seen in cartoons oh gotcha 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 yeah so I just I feel like that topic for me was just like more of like a Trojan horse for really like busting open the whole discussion around Mm -hmm. um, gender in general Mm -hmm. when we're talking about kids and parenting so like that's part of it for sure but just like you said it's about talking about all of the nonsense and all of the stuff that prevents kids from being who they are and Mm -hmm. also assumes that kids fit in two boxes and that there's like two genders right yeah exactly and we really want to dig into some of that too yeah. Which, yeah, we know better now. And so this was our other theme. When you know more, you got to do more. And that's never meant to be condescending. It's just like, cool, like with, you know, moving forward in the world and learning more things and seeing what people need, we hopefully are getting better at like being good to people mm-hmm. and making sure that people don't experience stigma and violence and oppression. Yes, especially violence and oppression. Because mm-hmm, yeah, sure. people should be safe to be who they are and not have to worry about that being weaponized against them. Mm-hmm, there are so many, like I'm just realizing, so many key terms and just sort of ideas that are going to keep coming up over and over because a lot of the topics that we'll be discussing involve a lot of marginalization. Mm-hmm, for sure. I think that's like a big motivator for us. We've talked about that before, just mm-hmm. like... It, you know, marginalization is often at like the root of injustice uh, mm-hmm. when people are experiencing it. I think that's like ultimately our big overarching goal is parenting for equity yes. in all of these different areas that we're going to explore, whatever that might be. And sometimes we're going to explore other stuff, but in some way it probably still links back to like parenting or being a parent or existing in a way that like promotes equity in whatever way we're looking at it. We did also sort of 
you know, want to acknowledge we're also like two cisgender women who are talking mm -hmm. about gender. So we're coming mm -hmm. to the table with like a very specific kind of experience around Absolutely. gender and discussions of gender. You know, we want to like acknowledge that and also like really open it up to our community to share your own experiences with this um, yes, topic as a parent. Do. And, yeah, for sure. And even just personally, like um, everything that we experience personally uh, informs our parents parenting right mm -hmm. and how we interact mm -hmm. in our families um so we definitely want to hear all those other we represent like two very specific perspectives and we're going to try to speak like you know inclusively but yeah we all have our blinders and we're all ready and willing to be informed when we're not seeing something that we need to be addressing absolutely and then this is where that word will come up again being allies mm -hmm. so For sure. in this in this situation we are um, in the privileged position mm -hmm. and so want to use our voices to help and we want to use our ears to listen yeah absolutely and it's like there's lots of complexity in this stuff too because we also like want to talk a little bit about like what it was like for us growing up as cis girls right? how that has you know what those experiences were like and how it's informed us as parents and how we understand gender with our own kids as well absolutely so yeah let's dig in We're back. Let's start <laughs> things off with um, talking about what it was like for us growing up as girls in a time where gender stereotypes reign supreme. <laughs> so Meg, what do you remember and what have you internalized from growing up as a girl? Ooh, interesting. Uh, I think that, well, I grew up in a family where I was the youngest and my older siblings were both cis boys. Samesies. Uh, yeah, so we have that in common. I'm going to be interested to hear if you have any of the same experiences. I think I knew like at a really young age, maybe like being in that dynamic and just from being observant that maleness meant power. Yes. And not, and it's not saying that I think there was like, you know, really deep inequity in my own family or it's just like the subtle cues mm -hmm. around like what you have access to and what you're able to do, mm -hmm. um, living well, boy, well, cis boy, I should mm -hmm. say, mm -hmm. um, versus, you know, living well, anything outside of that strange examples come to mind that are maybe like weird, but I'm going to share them. I felt like there was like a lot of power in being able to like you know, pee standing, pee standing up. up. Like, I knew yes. you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah. And that's a very like reductive statement. I'm just talking about where I was at as a little kid. Like, mm -hmm. um, I'm sure I that's still like, think that. I, I know. I'm sure it's easy to problematize though when it comes to like what it means to like be male if yeah. you're like not a cis male. But for whatever reason, like that was always like a standout. And I was like, I don't know. This seems like, like that. It was just like such a statement of like a ease, right? Like mm -hmm. it's easier mm -hmm. to even just go to the bathroom. Mm hmm. If this is the body you're born in and if that body fits your the rest of you, like your, yes. your mind and, and what you feel like you are, having also, you know, observed like the kinds of things that my brothers did and were interested in, like mm -hmm. that deeply informed who I was. Mm -hmm. Like I wanted to do all those things. Mm -hmm. Like there's a reason why I was like an athlete, like mm -hmm. all of that um, kind of like stereotypical like male um, capital I internalized as being stuff that I wanted access to mm -hmm. so that whether that's like sports or the way you pee <laughs> um it really informed my identity as a kid like 
I, for a period as a, as a little kid, like, I think I wanted to, I, I don't think that I actually identified as a boy. I think I, you know, really, or, or even non-binary, I think I felt female, mm-hmm. but I definitely like was interested in living in those shoes. Mm-hmm. So, so playing well, with I gender a little bit, then, just mm-hmm. backing it up a bit where you said the different things that you felt that, um, being male would give you access to. Did you mm-hmm. feel that you were able to access those things too? Well, and then I think this is where like my sense of injustice kicks in okay. because I think I, I was, but I think I was able to notice how my access looked different or like mm. the value that was placed on my access. And I'm not even talking by like my parents or anything. I'm talking like the world at large. Like, I think I was acutely aware that like people didn't care as much about my sports, mm-hmm. like things like that, that are very stereotypical and still a major issue yeah um even just yeah like the space that I would be permitted to take up you know always seemed like was more like mitigated I guess okay and I and I was like hungry to take up more space and like do the fun things and yeah so I like had really like these are all very stereotypical things but like in that time when you're a little person I was like oh I want to have a mushroom cut I want to be like (laughs) I said you only I feel like no kids want a mushroom cut I know they're, hey, they're back in style. <laughs> no, but it's like this really like interesting tension with wanting, I remember being misgendered a lot as a kid. Okay. And like feeling like both power and shame at the same time. Ooh, interesting combination. Like feeling like, oh, there's, oh, they think I'm a boy. Like, what can I get away with? Yeah. But then also being like, oh, I'm not supposed to be a boy. Right. Right. Like carrying right. like some shame and like not um, performing my prescribed gender correctly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What about you? Like, what are your initial sort of reflections on that when you think back to being a kid? Well, mine's actually quite similar to yours. Um, Shocking. (laughs) (laughs) Same as you, youngest of three, two older brothers. Mm -hmm. And so boys were encouraged to be risk takers and to go out and do things and kind of mix it up and create mischief and get into trouble. Mm -hmm. Whereas as a girl, if I tried to do the same things, it would have been frowned upon and just sort of more of the idea of people paying attention to what you're doing and scrutinizing your behavior mm-hmm. and how you behave would reflect poorly on your parents because Ooh. what are they doing letting their daughter run wild or do whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was reflecting a bit about this when we decided to do this topic. Mm-hmm. And my mother was raised by a mom who kind of would always say what a man can do, a woman can do. Right. So I never had limits placed on what I could achieve, but I think Mm -hmm. maybe the ways that I could achieve them were different. Interesting. Like, what do you, can you say more about that? Like, what do you mean? That's fascinating. Yeah. I think it's just, if I, well, okay, let's go back to athletics, for Mm -hmm. instance. Mm -hmm. I wanted to play sports but I also was not encouraged necessarily to be as outgoing. And so it took mm-hmm. me a while to get started playing sports. Oh, and so it wasn't that you can't, but it took me a while to get there because it wasn't yeah. necessarily a clear pathway. It wasn't assumed. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And then my brothers were allowed to do certain things that I wasn't. And part of that I think is also just my parents, as I mentioned before, were immigrants. They grew up Mm -hmm. in a very different society Mm -hmm. um, than the one that I was born into. 
Um, but just sort of the idea of my instilling in my brothers, like, like they need to look out for me because I'm their younger sister. Yeah. Where I, again, I only know how I grew up. So I don't know if that's just an older sibling thing or if it's mm-hmm. an older brother thing told to look after your younger sister. Yeah, it's interesting. I'd love to hear that from our listeners, like, because you and I have a very similar experience and mm-hmm. like same, like there was sort of this like assumption of care. Yes. But I wonder if like people grew up as like oldest, like female sibling or non-binary sibling, like if there was still a similar assumption that like it was more about like age than gender. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, as I mentioned, my mother's well, my grandma, I don't know why I keep saying my mother's mother, my grandma. <laughs> There's, <laughs> There's a, a name for that. that. It's grandma. <laughs> <laughs> um, she was progressive for the time that they lived in. I was going to say, so, it's pretty, she sounds like a badass. Yeah. Unfortunately, I never got the chance to meet her, mm-hmm. but yeah, she, she was a badass. She was, mm-hmm. and she raised my mom to be a badass. My mom is totally a badass. And like, and craziest thing. And you're a badass. Look at that. <laughs> Trickle down. <laughs> Passing it down. Generation yep. to generation. Generational badasses. <laughs> but yeah, so it's interesting because on the one hand, I was told I could do whatever I want and be whatever I wanted to be. But on the other hand, as I said, there were kind of like, it's hard to think of specific examples because it was never mm-hmm. anything explicitly stated. Yeah, I feel the same. Like, I feel the same. Like, it's like, I'm trying to think of like, but no, it was just, it's implied, right? Yeah. Even just stuff like dating. Yeah. yeah. Like that was, we definitely had diff- different roads on yeah. what we could get away with. Yeah. That's loaded. Big time loaded. <laughs> yeah. And I think like, I want to dig into some of that, even that still kicks around. Um, Cause we're talking not that many, but several years ago, <laughs> but like um, 10 years ago, yeah, so like a decade ago, um, <laughs> which but, is also gender nonsense, right? To oh, totally. To be like, why are. are we like, what's the word <laughs> fetishizing youth? Come yeah, on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> such a like, like stereotype around like w- women. Well, this is all going to braid. It all, it all weaves. Yeah. Like I think some of the stuff that's like most impactful and sends the most insidious messaging mm-hmm. is, is, are the things that go unsaid. Yes. Because you internalize them and you don't think to question them because it's hard to question something that's never been posed as a question. Yeah. yeah it's almost like a form of gaslighting, right? Where it's like, yeah, oh, it's not really happening. Is it? And then yeah. it's like, Oh no, it's like completely embodied in everything I do. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> And it wasn't even necessarily like, again, like it wasn't coming from my mom per se or my Mm -hmm. parents per se, but just like, I remember being on a family trip and playing soccer out Mm -hmm. just like on the back balcony or whatever, just like kicking ball around and like a man yelling at me from across the way, what are you doing? Girls don't play soccer. Oof. Yeah. That hits me in my gut. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And how did, and was that like, did you stop? Yeah, because I think I was 13, maybe. And so like, like, oh, like, oh, okay. Like, you know, obviously, like, I didn't stop playing soccer. Yeah, yeah. But but I stopped playing, like, in that moment. And then I don't know that I played again for the rest of that trip because it was just something that kind of rattled me. Yeah, of course. And it's, like, it's not just that, like, well, there's a couple things happening there. There's, like, a stranger yelling at you and, like, that's (laughs) unsettling. And also there's, like, a very gendered experience of that kind of fear like Mm -hmm. of strangers and Mm -hmm. you know particularly men Mm -hmm. 
but then there is like the like oh am I like you you do it's like kind of anothering a little bit but it's like oh I'm stepping out yeah of something that I'm drawing attention around yes that's I could I could there's probably examples of that that I could think of in my brain too that have that had happened well and that makes me think like kind of that man yelling at me and just the sort of internalized messaging that we took up as kids. Mm -hmm. But I want to ask you, why do you think people even care? Like, why are people Mm. so up in arms or why do people get so, take it so personally what somebody else's gender is? Like, why is this a conversation that still exists and that hasn't been figured out yet? Yeah, it's such a good question. I I like this question as a whole, even just thinking about like, why is gender so important to people? Yeah. Like, why do we have to do pink for girls and blue for boys? Or why does it matter if like, are you having a boy or a girl? You know what? It's like, it's implied that it's a something that's core to one's identity, right? Right. Somehow, you know, like historically, the Mm -hmm. biology that we were born with somehow identifies who we are as people mm-hmm. and what our role is going to be in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like a, uh, like, you know, doctoral level of education question to unpack. Cause there's like <laughs> so much there, but I mean, just off the top, I love asking, I, I work with kids on these topics mm-hmm. and like, I like asking kids this question. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll just like, I think sometimes they have the most honest and like simplified reflections. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll just think a little bit about things that I've heard from kids and I think that they're useful. Um, Kids say things like, well, it helps us know who someone is. So there's that sort of like categorizing and like boxing and like obviously like my next step is then to like push a little bit on that and be like, well, what do you mean? Like, how how is this like who someone is? Maybe Mm -hmm. it's not. I think that like ultimately we're just scared little creatures mm-hmm. and we want, we want to think that we know something, right? We want to yeah. feel like grounded and we want to feel yeah. like there's no ambiguity. Like there's certain things that are just like concrete and we know them. Right. And we can like assume them. And then that somehow makes us, this probably is like an evolutionary thing. Like it makes us safer and more comfortable mm-hmm. to feel like we know or we can categorize, right? Like we like to categorize. It helps mm-hmm. us make, make mm-hmm. sense of the world. Um, but like, as we've evolved, like obviously the categories that were, are there are no longer apl- applicable, right? And they're not yeah. accurate. So I don't know. I think some folks are stuck a little bit with like, okay. this is just a habit and we value it because we have a lot of fear in our culture and it allows mm-hmm. us to feel like there's something that's concrete and we know it. And it's like, this is, this is a thing. And then I think power, right? It's like, mm-hmm. We could, we could talk for hours and hours about like <laughs> power structures and gender and yeah. like people want to know it because it's like, I don't know, it's like in our psyche to like understand where we exist in that maybe. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. It's a tricky one because I feel like I think about it a lot and then I try to, you know, you always try to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and understand where the fear is coming from or what they're thinking. And then I have, mm-hmm. I have, a, this is when I have a really hard time with because mm-hmm. I just don't get it. Like, you know, where people who get really upset because, oh my gosh, you have a baby who was like biologically born a boy and you're putting him in pink. Oh my God. Where it's like, it's a color. Colors don't have gender. And so like, (laughs) why are we turning everything? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I just, I really struggle with it because I just don't understand why it's so hard to just let people be who they say they are. I think that boils down to power though, don't you? Yeah. Like, it's like when people step out of the box that we've prescribed for them and that we've 
that our worldview has mm-hmm. let us understand to be true. We don't like that. That makes us uncomfortable. And it also, so there's the discomfort of like, mm-hmm. no, this is the box. Like that I understand. Yeah. yeah. But the other part I think is like, if we're somebody who holds power, so I'm thinking yeah. of a certain identity here. <laughs> Guess what it is. <laughs> I think I have a pretty good picture in my mind. Um, we don't like, th- I, I have a feeling that, that get, that's unnerving, right? Like status quo for certain members of our culture mm-hmm. is means power. Yeah. And it means holding on to power. Yeah. Holding on to power. I, I, that's going to be a refrain say. for me probably. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it replies in lots of stuff we're going to talk about, but like. And that's, yeah, I just, it's, it's a hard one to understand. Like it's a hard one to put myself um, in another person's shoes who's going to spew hatred at somebody because mm-hmm. like they're not who they thought that person was going to be or who they looked at them and decided that they were. Which yeah. is just sort of, it's like one of those things where we, I think we talked about this last time too, how the vitriol falls on the person, instead of the person who's made the mistake and mm-hmm. said something or done something or treated somebody unjustly, it falls on the person who's been treated unjustly. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. I just, I wish there was an easy way to flip the script on that and have it be yeah. the people who are being oppressive, the people who are trying to... Mm-hmm stop people from living their best lives, which again, sounds a little bit corny, but like no. your part of living your best life mm-hmm. is living the life as who you are. Totally. It's a, it's a human right. Ultimately. Mm-hmm. Did you find like a lot of people would ask you like what you were having when you were pregnant? Yeah. And we opted not to find out, um, what genitals our child would be born with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like such a, like, and this is the funniest part, right? Basically someone's asking you, what's the genitalia of your child? Right. It's like kind of a fucked up question at the end of the day. Yeah. Right. But it's such a habit. Right. And like, I find like, I catch myself even like for lack of another question. So, and I think that's part of it. It's yeah. just like a prescribed set of small talk. Have you been feeling? What's yeah. Have you been feeling? It? What are you having? Yeah. It's just like those sort of things where, I don't know. Maybe it's just time for somebody to put out a new prescribed set of questions, acceptable questions, and maybe we can distribute those and have those be the thing. Because I think a lot of it too, like people fall, like you were saying before, they fall back on their habits Mm -hmm. in lieu of doing the work to figure out what the new habits can be or, you know, like, so if you're making small talk with somebody, then it's, what are you having? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or, 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 yeah. And I want to challenge people. Like I... I really like, and it would be uncomfortable sometimes depending on who was asking. I tried to be like, have an answer for that. Cause it's just like, those are like little micro moments where maybe you can challenge, challenge people to like, but like without shaming or without like, mm-hmm. cause you know, we all, I, I even, you know, I found that I've asked the question and then I'm like, I, I really try not to anymore. It's not in my habit anymore, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm guarantee I've asked you somebody that. Oh, I've definitely time. done it too. But I like saying like I'm human. I'm having a human being, <laughs> or even just like some variation of that, right? Like so, I don't know. I'm hoping it'll be human. Do you think it would help to ask the person who asks like, "What are you having?" And then you know, sort of, you say your answer, and then you say, "Oh, like why are you why are you wondering or why are you asking?" If you just kind of yeah. throw in like go toddler style and just start saying why to Hi. whatever people ask you, and if maybe people have to stop and think about it. Yeah, and you know what, like. I, I think people would just be stopped in their tracks. I don't know. Like, I don't know why I'm asking. Cause that's what we ask. Um, <laughs> actually, you know what? I remember another thing I used to say, cause we did, because I had like, a, I had 
high risk pregnancies and anyway had lots of ultrasounds and I think at one point like <laughs> we were too. just like especially in my first pregnancy it was like it, everything was so um up in the air that it was like ah we'll just take any information that you have about this mm -hmm. fetus mm -hmm. so when people would ask me I'd say well I know it has a penis <laughs> and that's I like what that I answer. know Mm -hmm. Like, that's what I can give you. It's a mm -hmm. weird question to begin mm -hmm. with. Yeah, we got to start like uh, de-normalizing the question, right? Mm -hmm. It's a good place to start for sure. All right. And now it's time for our segment, Momentum Shoutout. So Meg, why don't you tell us about the cool parenting move that you saw this week? Definitely. So I want to shout out something that I experienced this week. I want to shout out the dad that engaged me in a conversation about a book that he was reading. It was the first time in his experience that he was reading a book that kind of was breaking down and um, kind of critically thinking about gender stuff. And the book, I can't remember exactly what it was called, but it was something around the lens of like how to raise boys and teasing apart some of the gender nonsense that maybe we download boys with that's like not super productive. Yep. And I just really want to shout him out because he was doing such an amazing job of like being introspective and reckoning with what stuff he'd maybe been loaded up with mm -hmm. himself and how maybe some of that stuff was like coming out with parenting his boys and how he was really moved by that and motivated by that to do better and cool. to maybe like make some adjustments and change some of the things that um you know and just check himself with some of the stuff that he was learning in this book. And I just thought that was really motivating and inspiring to see a dad engaging with that. And somebody who hadn't engaged with that stuff maybe mm -hmm. as deeply before and really using it to like make it for his eyes. Awesome. Well done, dad. Way to be learning more and doing better for your kids. In your experience, in this case, cisgender male stereotypes on your mm -hmm. child, what kind of gender nonsense has come up and what have you found kind of hardest to swallow, but also like maybe hardest to push back against? The idea of toughness. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, if he falls and doesn't cry. Yeah. And we were like, oh, you're so tough. And like my, <laughs> my reaction, instant reaction is maybe it just didn't hurt. Yeah. And that's fine. But like, if you fall and it hurts, you can cry. And so I just sort of like, I don't like the idea of not expressing emotion as being tough. Yeah. I find that happens a lot. Just, and again, like, as I've mentioned before, my son's only three and this has come up a number of times of like, oh, you're so strong or, oh, you're so tough. And so I'm just sort of yeah. like, I'm like, oh, well, no, like, Maybe he fell that time and it didn't hurt. So that's fine. But maybe when he falls the next time it will hurt and then he'll cry. And that's fine too. Cause that's mm -hmm. also important because then the, his reaction, being able to have his natural reaction to something helps yeah. me as a parent too, because then I know how to react. I know how serious something is based on his response to it. But mm -hmm. if he's just having to like, quote unquote, suck it up all the time and just be tough and like mm -hmm. not cry or whatever, <laughs> then yeah. that makes it hard to, as, for a parent too, right? Because then I don't actually know what's going on with him. Yeah. I have seen that a ton with like, not just my kids, but other kids. And like, sometimes I'm like, well, I you know, maybe, maybe we also hear folks saying stuff like that to um, like female gendered or cisgendered um, kids. But I think there's something about the intent around like mm -hmm. how we talk to boys about mm -hmm. toughness and crying mm -hmm. and like you know like saying the same thing 
to a little a person who's identifying as a girl yeah it sort of is like you can say the same thing and they have very different impacts in our culture yes absolutely deep impacts do you want to unpack that a bit well yeah because you know we've I think that you have really hit on something there around like one of the most toxic things that we do to little boys is that we both in very like overt ways and then in very covert ways we suggest that emotion the only emotion that they should ever show is anger or frustration Mm -hmm. which is so dangerous ultimately and then like I was talking about with race which I find very Mm -hmm. dangerous because I don't want to raise a child who only knows how to express anger and then Mm -hmm. that will be weaponized against him for the rest of his life Right. And it's like we've like gendered emotions, right? Those emotions mm-hmm. are like they're masculine emotions and they're like they sh- they sh- they link to what you said before, like they demonstrate some form of toughness or like yeah. grit yeah. Um, and strength, right? Whereas sadness, anxiety, um, even joy in a weird way, mm-hmm. like a kid that's sh- like too like overtly joyful and like skips or like, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like you express joy a certain way. If you are told that you're a boy or you're told that you're a girl, mm-hmm. which is, a, again, it's like the idea of how colors don't have gender. Like yeah. emotions in and of themselves don't have a gender. So it's really weird and yeah. kind of also fascinating in a disturbing way, just how this has become to be such mm-hmm. a prescribed thing that we fall back on. Yeah. And I think like, it's just so dangerous. Like Absolutely. I think like a lot of our challenges that we have culturally Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, this is like totally unacademic and it's just like a theory, but I feel like if we like allowed boys, especially boys who have a lot of power and privilege, mm-hmm. like more room to feel fully mm-hmm. and like did a better job of purposefully making space for their big feelings. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly don't know that we would have some of the same challenges that we have, because if you look at who's yeah. like the perpetuators, <laughs> This is what I, and like linking back to things I've said about, I don't want my kids to be assholes. Like, yeah. but I think a core thing in that is that they get to be full feel, fully feeling people. Yes. And then the, the, like, if we're thinking about it in a binary way, which we shouldn't, that would be like where I would want to even start to challenge that. Yeah. Um, we do something that like feeds into that system with the way that we talk to girls about their feelings and, and their sort of, and, or even just their behavior. Right. Mm-hmm. These are, these are big pieces. We can solve it. We can solve it here tonight. <laughs> yeah, totally. We're just here to solve it, guys. Don't worry. We got this. Um, but I would like to say here, I really, really hope that this is something that our Gaining Momentum community will chime in on. Mm-hmm. Just because um, this is also an area that I'm very interested in, and I, but I also feel a little bit out of my element because, as I mentioned, like I'm in a position of privilege here because mm-hmm. I'm a cisgendered woman. And so I... I haven't had to think, I honestly, I just haven't had to give this the mind, the mental, mm-hmm. mental space yeah. that people who are transgendered or non-binary or two-spirit or gender queer or gender mm-hmm. fluid yeah. or gender neutral, like anybody else outside of the cis system. Mm-hmm. So I just, yeah, I would love for people to chime in and I want to be an ally. I want to learn more. And I mm-hmm. also like I said, I don't know. As I know right now, my son is like my, my child is male, mm-hmm. but that might not be the case. And totally. so I would like to know what I can do best to be able to encourage him to be whoever he is supposed to be. 
Mm-hmm. And so yeah. that I'm not like trying to steer him in any direction other than the direction yeah. that he is. is. Yeah. The direction that he's going in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I also think like there's like this really cool movement of like gender creativity that's happening mm. for kids mm-hmm. where I have a friend who's like very knowledgeable in this area and I'm always learning from her. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, and like, I think lots of folks already know all this stuff, but like gender identity, gender expression, mm-hmm. um, or like sex assigned at birth, you know, these are all different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's just like kind of interesting movements right now around like expression and like mm-hmm. um, kids being gender creative and like creating lots of room for that. So beyond like, you know, the stuff that we started this conversation with talking about just kind of like bucking against stereotypes, we're specifically kind of focusing on um, the ones that are there for boys. I'd love to like get into the other end and other mm-hmm. parts of that in a minute. But um, just like, I think a good start is just leaving room to explore. Yeah. Right. And just play, play with gender. Like, and I just want to say, so I'm just going to, because if people aren't necessarily aware of what some of these terms mean, and so they're Mm -hmm. maybe feeling a little bit left out of the conversation and we don't want that to be an excuse that anybody is able to use to not join in the conversation. Mm -hmm. So we will be posting resources. One of the good resources that I've been using is called Teen Talk. Yep. And so they have a gender identity section on their website where they describe some gender identity terms. So mm-hmm. when Megan's talking about gender expression, she's talking about how somebody acts and presents themselves to the world. Yeah. And there's a lot of play involved in expression, mm-hmm. right? It's like, oh, like this is fun. I'm going to like see what that feels like. And like today I'm a truck and tomorrow I'm a princess and I mm-hmm. love, like this dress and I'm, you know, it's like output of how we're feeling at a given time or what we're playing with. Whereas identity is like core to who we are. Yes. Um, it's who we, tr- we feel like we are mm-hmm. um, as a gendered person. Mm-hmm. And because our culture has put so much emphasis on gender, it's something that people incorporate into their identity. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about fluidity, maybe that looks one way one day and maybe it looks a different way on a different day. And especially, yeah. especially with kids, right? Because kids are they're wired for play and this is an area that like we can play in and that concludes part one of gaining momentum on gender we hope you enjoyed the discussion and we hope you'll get in touch and let us know what you think what you're doing in your parenting what your experiences have been really anything that you're willing to share with us we would love to hear we'll see you for part two in two weeks and now we're going to end today's show with our pause for momentum today's poem is called no two ways about it. Are you hoping for a boy or a girl? I'm just hoping for a baby. The first words after birth, it's a boy. I give a shrug, maybe. If I were a boy, Beyonce sang, Sarah wondered about it too. Maybe most women do at some point. Do cis men even have a clue? When boys will be boys feels like a threat, something ominous that lies ahead to dismiss concerns of toxic behavior, no matter whose blood ends up shed. Where's the same pass for girls or someone who's non-binary? Can a transgendered person get in on it? Let's save some for gender fluidity. There's no two ways about it. We know this now, so why ignore? Gender exists along a spectrum, and stereotypes harm us to our core. So I'll be me, and you be you. My kid will be who they're meant to be. I want to believe we'll get there, but will we ever let it be that easy? If you like what you just heard, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you find podcasts.
Gaining Momentum is written, produced, and edited by Abby and Megan. With music by Evan Dysart. And podcast art by Catherine Katja. And a special thank you to our podcast mentor, Belle, from the podcast, Thirst World Problems. Thanks, Belle. Thanks, Belle. And if you want to find any more info on any of their work, please check out the links in our podcast description.